Jimbo Fisher going back and forth, I guess somewhat back and forth with uh, media from what, San Antonio, isn't that what you said? Yeah, what was that? That was KSAT, and that guy was on the offensive talking to Jimbo. Oh, boy. Uh, that's only a small snippet. He was he was going after Jimbo, and Jimbo was getting defensive. Woo, boy, he's getting defensive. Right. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where it leads. Like we said earlier in the show, um, Jimbo's – he's taking the stance that uh, absolutely lies. All of it lies. Um, they didn't – the collective that had gathered all of that money – didn't uh, put any of it towards any of these recruits. Only one of the recruits currently there has an NIL deal. Um, no one else does. So yeah, right. <laughs> hey, that's that's um, that's per Jimbo Fisher. Now, the point I made earlier, and just to reinforce, he he's basically called the media out and says they're morons for believing what someone randomly said on social media and just taking it and running with it and you know that guy tried to change it and say well well, what do you say about Nick Saban doing that and Jimbo Fisher didn't want to have any didn't want to hear any about that he was still hammering in on the media well he picked the fight with the media and I'm sure they're going to do whatever is in their capabilities to see if they can unearth some truth there as to what actually did go down, just like they with did with recruiting youth class. Race. Just like there's so many parallels with this A&M recruiting class, how Jimbo was handling it compared to what was that the 2013, 2014 Ole Miss recruiting class? They had the number one class yeah. after just a average Ole Miss season. We're all like, mm, something doesn't smell right here. And then Hugh Freeze doubled down and was like, hey, here's the email address if you have any proof of it. And then, of course, they were cheating more than any of we seen anyone we've seen in the past decade. It's very similar. This situation is to that. But the side that I'm interested in now is, I think that. Jimbo and Nick Saban have been pitted against each other. It's the biggest and the best head coaching rivalry that I think we have right now in college football. Um, Brent doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that picks very many fights at all. And I think that most head coaches out there, you know, really respect him, what kind of dude he is, the way that he goes about things. So I don't think that we're going to see like any coaches ever come after him. But if we did, like, is there a coach out there to where you could see Britt Venables having a coaching rivalry with at some point? Um, sure. Uh, I think it will be. I think the I think Texas will probably be there. Um, but Sark's not a very controversial guy. Is the problem? I don't see him spouting off and saying anything. For it to develop well, into a coaching rivalry with BV, I feel like someone else is going to have to say something dumb or controversial to draw him out. Well, maybe Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> okay, now you, I, I like that a lot. I like that a whole lot, actually. Well, maybe there's a Sooner Caravan and someone asks a question about the Jimbo Fisher-Nick Saban situation and he offers something up and Jimbo Fisher wants to start in on Clemson. 
Why don't you gotta look and see what they did at Clemson, huh? You talk to anyone that worked with them up there. They'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> well, I, I guess it could all. We can never count out Gundy, right? Mike, uh, how do you think he's gonna do? Well, he's never been a head coach before, so probably not very good. <laughs> and that could spark something. Never count out Gundy. That's what I've learned. Oh my God, that's so great. Well, I, we just don't know anything yet. Hell, he's never even been a head coach. Well, I that's saw so his players funny. in the portal. You know. The USC. <laughs> okay, hang on their own guys. That is great. I love it. I absolutely love it. Because um, I want to the I, I want a, I want a head coach to hate around here, you know? I don't know if we ever hated Mac. We just like to make fun of Mac when Bob was here. Uh, of course, you had Switzer and Tom Osborne. That that was a big one. So it seems like the, the better head coaches here have always had a – you know, coach on the other side of things that we don't really like all that much, but I don't know. I just Brent's too respectful of a guy to to start anything. But he's he's also a competitor, man. The juices are going to get flowing, so my hope is that something happens. Yeah, Matt Campbell's on the text line. I don't see it. Dabo's on the text line. I don't see that one either. Maybe I could see Campbell. I could see Campbell, you know, whenever he lost it over there in the Big 12 championship, and he's lost it a couple of times, and usually he's got a good case for whenever he loses it, but um, I could see I could see maybe something going on there a little bit. Uh, maybe not. I don't think so with Aranda. So few defensive head coaches that got to run together in packs. They can't, uh, they can't go after one another. The point is um, we, we got to get Texas to – having a d-bag for a coach again um yeah you know i it's just i miss tom herman so much we really need him back in some way or give, someone that's give sarkeesian some time i'm telling you he's already getting comfortable he get he got fired at usc for um dropping f-bombs now i know it's different circumstances but he's already back to doing that at texas at a at a donor event he's feeling comfortable feeling good I may say something to to ignite the fire with Venables. That'd be good. But to create some sort of a coaching rivalry, don't you have to have some sort of success? Like, you can't create any sort of a head coaching rivalry when one guy's going five and seven and losing to Kansas. Like, he actually has to beat you a time or two and start winning at a high level, and I don't think Sark's pulling that one off at Texas, so he's he's eliminated. Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, okay, we're getting warmer now, text line. I don't know, man. I, Lane Kiffin for sure, but you never know what what some coaching staff may be saying about another coaching staff out on the recruiting trail. That's true. And and those things, you know, inevitably make it back to the other staff. And you know, o- OU, Texas, Texas A and M. It's going to be competitive down there for some players, and I'm sure they're going to cross paths on a player. And you no, know, and maybe it's Oklahoma saying something about Texas, and maybe it's Texas saying something about Oklahoma. But yeah, I, I, it doesn't take much to spark something, and it doesn't even have to be on the field. Yeah. Hey, one last point on Jimbo. You know, you know what's funny is he's being so defensive about all of this, uh, even if he was right, man. Even if he was right, and there's only one guy out of the 11 enrollees that has an NIL deal, even if he's totally being honest and he's right about it, 
no one believes him. So it's like it doesn't right. even matter. It's like the truth doesn't matter at all if that's the case. Yeah, there's only one guy who got an NIL deal. Now, we signed him to a $35 million NIL deal, and and he signed the other recruits to uh, to deals off of that $35 million, but it's just one guy. We'll see what goes down with it. I think people are going to be digging really hard into it once the the whole thing has been really, you know, pulled out of the shade and into the sun, and, and people are going to be digging in like we've talked about to try and prove it. Now that they they now they've got the bad guy. Now I'll see if they can go out and convict him in the court of public opinion. Proje- uh, project the future here. What is it? The next three, five years, whatever of uh, of Jimbo Fisher look like? Um, eight and five, eight and five, nine and four. Ooh, man, okay. Eight and five. Yeah. Does he ultimately get and fired? I, I, I feel like this is going to be the start of something. And then he, um, then he'll be a, <laughs> he'll go crawling back to Saban for a senior analyst position at Alabama. Oh my gosh, would that be amazing? <laughs> well, hell, I didn't mean analysts. everything I said about old Nick. Nick's a great guy, and we just love working together. And I just look forward to the next time we're able to work together down there in Tuscaloosa. Oh man, that'd be amazing. Oh, <laughs> finally answered the phone uh, and called him back, and <laughs> yeah, we, we he smoothed things out. Heck, uh, you guys thought we were been fighting for years. We smoothed things out a long time ago. Kendall says, "I think the fact he's being overly defensive means he's guilty of cheating." See, I get that, but I don't know, man. If I'm accused of something that I definitely didn't do, I would be pretty adamant that I was innocent. Like, very loud, throwing it right back at people. I don't think that always means that you're guilty whenever that happens. Now, in this case, maybe it does, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if I was wrongly accused of something that I didn't do, I'm not just going to sit there and be like, hmm, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and you're totally wrong, but I understand where that thought comes from. No, that's not how I would But if you were totally guilty, would you act the way that Jimbo is right now on the flip side of that? Probably would. You know what? I, if I was guilty, I, I wouldn't be calling a press conference. I wouldn't be responding to it. I, I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give the accusations any more attention than, than they're getting at the time. Yeah. Because now, uh, whether he's innocent or guilty, now everyone in the world has got their their their. Uh, magnifying glass out on Texas A&M to see, okay, well, I don't know what, what this deal is. What exactly did go on at Texas A&M? Yeah, text line, you forget how stupid Les Miles was. He was hated. We got one great team and one really good team. We're going to play to see which one is which. I Look, I've forgotten some things. How hated Les Miles was during that time, I've never forgotten about that. But that, that kind of goes to my point of what I was saying earlier is, even Les Miles had to beat you twice for him to rise to that level of, of hate. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Fascinating stuff. We'll see what happens with it, man. I, I've got my popcorn out. 
um, I'm doing the lawn chair thing, you know, where you're throwing the lawn chair out and you're about to sit down in it and watch the show. I'm doing all of those things right now with what's going on with, with A&M. It's pretty amazing. I want someone to get to the bottom of it. Let's see what's going on. Text line, what if USC and Oregon join the SEC when their grant of rights ends in 2025? Then we can go back to hating Muleshoe. That sounds great. Go. It would be awesome, but if that were to happen, Muleshoe's, he's splitting town for another job. He ain't going to coach in the SEC. You think so? Nah, no chance, man. But I, I'll tell you this. Um the NFL is brilliant with how they schedule games, right? Because they schedule games like Denver is Denver and Seattle is playing week one this year. They schedule the games that everyone wants to see with the storylines. It's it's the way that it should be done. I feel yeah. like the way that the I know the SEC hasn't always gone about things this way, but Greg Sankey really didn't control the scheduling back in like twenty eleven. I think though that Greg Sankey would find a way for OU and USC to play like the first conference game of the year. Like the SEC would be the conference to make that happen because of the ratings game if they were to roll into the conference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um probably right. Probably right. I don't know, man. Um but that would be weird. Oregon and USC aren't coming to the, the SEC. I, like Clemson, sure. Ohio State, okay, but not anybody on the West Coast. At least I don't think. I would, I, I would say that Clemson and USC, or excuse me, Oregon and USC would come before Ohio State would. Um, I don't think there's any chance Ohio State does. Like that, the Big Ten is like, they are – and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like that conference is is rock solid in what they like. They've got a big following. It's a, a big football part of the country. It's it's not the SEC, but if uh, they would never, that would be them admitting that the Big Ten is not the SEC, and I don't think they would ever be willing to do that. Maybe not, but if 10 years from now the SEC has won every national championship and they're all over the country taking every single recruit and Ohio State's slipping because, man, if you're not in the SEC, what are you doing playing college football? Like, that's really the only scenario I could see it happening. But, I don't know, I kind of think the SEC is going to dominate here for the the long term. Yeah, we'll see. it would be weird to be – I mean, West Virginia did it in the in the Big 12, I guess, but USC and Oregon is even a, a, a bigger stretch. That is way across the country. But I don't know. I mean, would that uh, – I, I don't know. I don't think the SEC – I don't think they need either one of those. No, they may but, not. But if you're going to – like Clemson seems like the obvious one here. But to your point, like Clemson, does, the, does the SEC need FSU, maybe Miami, if Cristobal ever gets it turned around there. Um, it just, I guess it depends on how many they would add. How many do you think they would add? Four more? <sighs> yeah, probably. As many, I mean, to get to 20. as many as they want. And it's just called the SEC now. I mean, clearly they want to control the entire game. They had a real right. forward-thinking mentality about things. Like, we had Barrett Salee on. This is probably – what, close to three years ago? And he's like, well, the SEC doesn't need Oklahoma. 
which technically he was right at the time about, you know, the SEC was still going to be the premier conference with or without Oklahoma. But to go where they're, where they're wanting to go and, like, basically control the entire sport and maybe even have their own 18 playoff, I think they did need Oklahoma and Texas for that. Yeah, they did. They did. They do. And I think that they, I think they still need more. I don't think it's enough. I think they – if you got Clemson and Florida State, then I think you'd have something there. you got to chip into one more conference, I think. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out FSBO Homes today. Give them a call, 405-594-7911. They'll help you list your house online. Uh, they'll get the, the proper price set by getting an appraisal up front. They've got attorneys can walk you through the contract portion on the back end. Uh, they'll take great photos, get you all set up on that uh, line, and can save you up to 6% in agent fees when you go with FSBO Homes. Stay tuned. That's uh, Chris Fanini earlier today uh, on the Plank Show talking about Brent Venables. But he said in there, well, yeah, maybe this year will be a little bit of a struggle. It's going to take some time because of the player losses. I guess I just – I don't understand why there's this thought that it's just going to be this big struggle in year one. I said many times I feel like OU is going to be a better team this year than they were last year. I, I think they're going to win the Big 12. Do people just have the opinion it might be a tough first year just because it's a first year with the new staff? Is that it? Because I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I think it's a – I think it's a hedge whenever you just don't know, right? And I, I understand from the outside that, you know, that you've seen a bunch of guys leave, some big-name guys leave, and you're not familiar with the guys that were on the roster behind those guys or still in development and – you know, and, and who came in as, as freshmen. So I guess I understand, but, you know, I guess that's kind of what happens whenever you ask a national writer their opinion on a place that you cover is like, you know way more about them than they do, and which is understood and expected. How can the guy know – all the ins and outs from all of these different schools and, and have a good, solid, strong opinion. I think it's just I think it's just a safe pick I guess. to say the first year is going to be going to be a struggle. But he's not taking over a 6-6 six and six football team. He's taking over a pretty good roster. And I don't think people nationally understand that he's actually walking into a really good situation. And their entire roster did not walk out the door this offseason into the transfer portal. They got a lot of talent coming in they got a lot of talent coming back um and I think immediate success in year one for a head coach is more common than maybe most people think and I, I was looking at a list uh Friday from on three and they ranked the best first year head coaching jobs in college football Ryan Day Teddy was 12th on the list 12th and in his first year at Ohio State he rolled off a 13 and one 
where they went to the college football playoff. Uh, their final ranking was third in the country, and they got upset by Clemson in that epic game in the Fiesta Bowl where I think the Buckeyes threw like a pick mm-hmm. in the end zone to lose it. And that's the 12th yeah, they're best. They are in the end zone. They, yeah. Uh, yeah, to play national championship game. And that's the 12th best first-year head coaching job. Some other ones on here, Chris Peterson at Boise. His first year was 06. They rolled off a 13-0. Urban Meyer's first year at Ohio State, 12-0. They were ineligible for a bowl game that year. Um, Terry Bowden at Auburn, 93. He was 11-0. Barry, by God, Switzer was 10-0-1 in 1973. Gus Malzahn was 12-2 at Auburn. Uh, Larry Coker at Miami won a national championship. So we always talk about year two and year three, but – there's a lot of cases where guys just rolling in year one and, and win at a high level. And I think that the yeah. situation is there for Brent Vittables to do just that. I'm not saying a national championship, but a college football playoff, yeah, I think that's very realistic. Well, the the fact – there's a couple of things that have not changed. Um, in my opinion, we still have the best coaching staff in the conference – or right there with everyone else, maybe you could say yet to be determined. Um, we still have the most talented roster in the conference. Um, maybe you could say Texas on paper has a more talented roster, but that's that, that hasn't changed. That's still the exact same. Um, we still have the best place to play, uh, the best environment. Yeah, there. Best quarterback um, this season in Dylan Gabriel. I mean, a lot of things have changed, but more have stayed the same. So you introduce a new, new couple of new systems, a new attitude, uh, a new demeanor from the football team, a new edge uh, in in competitiveness, a uh, a more in shape, a stronger faster football team yeah it's it's not that difficult to say that at a minimum the results are going to be on the level of what they've been previously yeah now the pushback you will get nationally is well I mean come on you're gonna lose something offensively with Lincoln Riley rolling out to USC and my rebuttal to that is well I mean maybe because what I was watching last year and even the year before that I think we were all seeing it was a conference that was starting to really catch up to what OU wanted to do offensively. Now, maybe it looked that way because they didn't have as much talent as previous years on the offensive side of the ball, but it sure felt like a teams were getting a pretty good hold on what OU wants to do offensively and developing a game plan to stop that. Now you look at you coming with something a lot different. The pace is different. The tempo is different. A lot of things are different. Whereas the rest of the conference thought they might have a good idea and a stranglehold on OU, that might completely flip and totally change now with Jeff Levy. So I would even push back the thought that OU is just going to lose a ton this year because of the, the change in offensive philosophy. I, I don't necessarily buy into that. Well, yeah, I, don't, I buy into that zero, none, not at all. If, if the feeling is that Lincoln Riley and his system leaving means that Oklahoma is not going to be as good offensively, I, I just I I totally disagree. If you're giving the offensive output, if you're giving the credit 
of that to the system, well, the system that we're getting was better than Lincoln Riley's system last year. So, like, and I don't think it. I don't think it all goes to the system. I think it's a. I mean, I think there's a bunch of factors in there that are, you know, that's all mixed and matched. You know, you've got to have you've got to have the right talent at the right place, and you've got to have a good good scheme. You've got to have, you know. You got to have some luck too. You got to have some things go your way. There's no doubt about that. But man, I I uh, I just I, I totally disagree with that that sentiment. I mean, OU's offense outside of you know some some one off plays was really in trouble last year in a lot of football games. The a couple of big plays, um, like just. Not system plays, like guys making something happen plays, won the Texas game. Uh, just a, a small amount of plays, like a reverse against Kansas. A broken play. Um, uh, yeah, broken play against Iowa State, the big touchdown run. Broken play against Iowa State on a long touchdown run. Hell, a long touchdown run against Oklahoma State uh, that uh, got you back into the thing. I mean, that's not, that's not offensive system. None of those things are. That's just someone going outside of what they're supposed to do and making something happen, which you do have to give credit to the, the, the player for some of that because, you know, he's, he's now at USC. But I would also say that, you know, a big part of the problems they were having offensively goes back to that same exact player. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a – you just can't credit Lincoln Riley with everything offensively and because if you're going to, well, then you have to say that, you know, you have to credit Levy with the the offense from Ole Miss, and you would say that they're getting a better system than what left. So that's what I'm saying. That that argument just doesn't hold water. You know, I, I do feel that a little bit from the fans too. It's like, ah, uh, I mean, I think it's going to work, but uh, year one, how is it going to look? And I'm just the entire off season, I'm going to be just like, uh, they're going to be really good next year. I adamantly believe that they're going to be a good football team next year. I feel like from the fan base though, it's more about nerves than anything. I, everyone yeah. wants this to work so bad. Everyone wants this to work so bad that when it comes to next year, I think everyone's just nervous because they want it to work out so bad. Which I get it, and I understand it, but yeah, it'll 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 be good. It'll all be all right. Yeah, they need some guys. There does need to be a tremendous amount of growth from a lot of players between what we saw in spring ball and you know, the season. And I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to continue to see some guys get better and better. And I think this is going to be one of those teams that kind of like the 2015 team that maybe had some struggles early offensively, defensively, but by the time they were playing late in that season, they were really, really good. And I think that could be the same with this squad. What happened in 2015? They rolled onto the college football playoff, didn't they? So that's right. Can happen. And what didn't they take a lead into halftime against Clemson? Yeah, people don't like like when you bring that up. No, they got hammered by Clemson. Quit bringing up they had a lead at halftime. For some reason, that's viewed at as a as a negative. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, it is a negative. You gave up a lead in the second half, I guess. I don't because think they scored the second half. No, they did not. They did not. So I don't know. I I feel good about it. I. 
I don't know how good because I don't know what rate the team is going to grow. I think they're going to get better and better and better throughout the season, but we just kind of have to wait and see now, don't we? Eh, now we can go ahead and project this offseason. Isn't that what it's for? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, they're going to win the national championship. There you go. That's better. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out FSBO Homes today. Check them out online, fsbohomes.com. They can help you sell your house. They're gonna uh, they're gonna photograph it. They're gonna give you really good pictures to be able to show it online. That's where everyone sees their homes now. They do all their shopping for homes online. You don't need to be in the MLS like the old days. They've got uh, attorneys on the back end to help you through the contract phase. They're also going to get you an appraisal up front to make sure you get the exact price to move your house quickly and get you the most bang for your buck. And um, uh, the best thing is you can save up to 6% on real estate fees. And, man, when you're talking about a two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars house, perhaps that's a lot of money. Check them out online, fsbohomes.com. Final hour of The Rush on this Monday evening. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing the final hour of The Rush. Good weekend for the Diamond Sports at OU. OU Baseball took the first two games in Lubbock. Had a chance to to uh, split for the conference title, but not able to get it done in game three. I think they're the uh, number three overall seed in the Big 12 tournament. Skip Johnson might be uh, coach right. of the year in the in the conference this year. That, that, uh, They've done pretty good. Most, most hit, conference man. wins since... 2010, right? Yeah, they can they can really really swing it. I, they're hot. They got a chance to to win the conference tourney. They got West Virginia in the first game, and I think Tech plays Kansas State, yeah. and they got the winner of that game. So they'll probably play Texas Tech, and if they can get past Texas Tech, you know who knows? There's oh, you're counting out TCU. Pete Hughes already? Whoa, whoa! Just counting out. Pete I forgot. Like yeah. Geez. Switching the second baseman and shortstop could pay off big against Texas Tech. Yeah, and they close. The, could be the they close the roof there in Arlington. It could be. Uh, it could be really big. So now, did Oklahoma State melt down down the stretch or something? I know because weren't they in ago, first by a big stretch? I know two weekends ago um, they got swept by Tech. I think at home uh, were they at. Baylor this past weekend. Um, to answer your question, I think the answer to that is 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 yes. I think that I think that that, that sweet to Tech really really killed them. I remember Toby talking about because we had TCU and Tech left for the for the two series that were remaining, and he's like, if you get if you get two of three against TCU and two of three against Tech, there's a chance that you could pass TCU and get into that second spot, but you're not going to be able to catch Oklahoma State. And then I saw Oklahoma State got fourth. I was like, whoa, yeah. what happened? Yeah, kind of a bummer this week, man. you got a long weekend coming up, and the Big 12 baseball tournament's not in Oklahoma City. Kind of a bummer. Um, Arlington, maybe it's a better central location, especially for those Texas schools, but – I don't know. The thought of having it at a major league park is is awesome, and having Texas live there is probably really cool. But it's such a cavernous feel, man. When you've got that massive yep. stadium, and there's only you know three or four thousand people that are there, and not That's that right. it always looked super full at Bricktown or anything, but 
man, I grew up going to that thing every single summer. And now that it's not here for like, I don't know, the first time in a while it feels like, it's kind of a bummer. OKC's not going to be hosting it. Yeah, it's it's better to, to fill up the venue, right, than it is to have a big stadium like Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium whenever – Norman High, Norman North play each other. And it's cap- Would you say cavernous? Is Ca- that the feeling cavernous. that you have? <laughs> I hate you. And I, you know what I hate most about this? Here's what I hate most about this. And we normally don't talk about this until September. But what I hate most about this conversation is I get management comes up to me and says, you got to make him stop saying that. What? Me? Why are you talking? Talk to him. I'm not the one saying it. He got to stop saying that. Oh, he got to stop saying that. It means a lot to the kids to be able to play at OU. I'm like, I know. You tell him to stop saying it. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. And I know that makes so you the funny. happiest about everything. That, that's, that's what's crap. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's one of those things. It's like I'm like a toddler. Whenever I say something and I get a reaction, I just keep going with it. I know. Right? I just know. keep going. You know, I, I said on the uh, Diamond Envy podcast uh, that what it was, I released an episode on Saturday. It's like, dang, every time OU plays a softball game, there's always like a new NCAA record, new uh, program record. Oh, she just had a new career record. It seems like every single game, there's like some new record that happens. And it happened again yesterday, man, to, to, to prove my point. 20 to nothing over A&M. It's the largest win in NCAA tournament history for, for OU. It's like, oh, there's just wow. something else that they can claim. Just an absolute beatdown. And I'm sure A&M felt like they were going into that game. They had a shot, right, after uh, the closer game they played previously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not so fast. One of their accounts was getting trolled. Because they hit that two-run homer on Saturday, and they tweeted out some A&M account was, we're, we're within one run of the number one team in the nation! And then, then they lost, and then they were down 9 nothing to the number one team in the nation after the first inning, and yeah, that one got trolled pretty hard. Oh, it got trolled funny. hard. It's just, it was good, though, that I feel like some people remembered some hate that they have for a and Yeah. It's a great warm-up for SEC play. That's right. That's right. Um, it's good stuff. And okay, so when does the super regional start? Is that Friday? Friday at uh, three thirty. I think that one is on ESPN two. Saturday is one o'clock on ESPN, and then Sunday, if necessary, I'm hoping it's not going to be necessary. That's like TBD on time and TV and and all of that. But you're on ESPN two and ESPN for the first two games. That's that's pretty big time. Yeah. What do you what do you know about Central Florida? Uh well the, every good team in the southeast this year they played. They beat Georgia. They beat Texas. Remember that Virginia Tech team I was telling you about that's so good this yeah. year? Um they're the they were the number three overall seed coming in. Now technically they're the second highest seed left. They took um they played Virginia Tech in a three game series, one one a three but the first game they lost, they lost like one nothing. They, they lost by like one run. Um, so every single team that they faced, Florida, Florida State, they played they played every good team in the Southeast, and they played them all pretty tough. So they're good, they're scrappy, they've got good pitching, and I don't, 
they're one of those teams, man, that they're not going to be scared rolling into Norman. But it seems like they can they can pitch it well, and we'll see if they give that. That's their, they're going to have to pitch it well. They're going to have to give OU's offensive problems. But I feel like that's probably their path to victory. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, looking forward to it. It's going to be a beautiful weekend for some softball. We're going through a bit of a weather uh, phase right now that's nasty today and tomorrow, I think. And then as we head into the weekend, I think Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are supposed to be sunny in the 80s. What's your your early week feel on this series? They get it done in two. They get it done in three. They lose. What are you thinking? Um, Can you tell me if Jordy Ball pitches? I don't think she's going to in case it's an emergency, but that's a total guess. I think I think they take it in two. Woo! Sweep them, huh? Dang. Okay. No I think it's ball, no be, problem. I think it's going to be a sweep, but I think it's going to be two really tight games. Yeah, I, I, I don't think OU should – like, you see UCF and you think, oh, wow, OU got an amazing draw. Eh, they're, they're good. I, I don't think OU's just going to roll up there and run roll them twice. I think it'll be two pretty close games as well. But I'm also thinking that this is a, a two-game series. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about UCF to pick them to beat OU, who's only lost, what, two games the whole season. So uh, – and, and I feel like they are – they woke up. They're they're chomping at the bit. They're seeing some different teams, and you know, I I had thought maybe the offense would come back whenever they start to see some some different teams, and looks like they're they're doing that so far. Hopefully, they keep that rolling. So did you yeah, watch I'll the, take them into sweep. Did you see the first inning yesterday? Jocelyn Allo no. hit a ball. I, Teddy, it was just like a straight line drive. I don't think it ever was higher than four feet off the ground. But she hit it so hard, I don't know how the left field wall didn't collapse when the ball made contact with it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was unbelievable. I need to see if I can find hit, a video yeah. clip of that. Second at-bat of the game. I mean, she hits it so hard. I, I'm shocked that the, the, left, the left field wall is like Rocky Balboa, basically, for taking that kind of punch. Did the left fielder dive out of the way of the ball? She should have. <laughs> to avoid it. The TV, the TV people were like, ah, how did she not make a play on that ball? Because I'm like, because she got it, it's hit 150 miles per hour at her. Oh, got it out of the way too. Kidding me? Wow. That's crazy. All right. How many home runs does she have now on the year? Uh, one, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll get the exact number on that for you. But it's a lot, right. and I feel like this record is never going to be touched again. Are you hunch. sure? I, you sure T.R.A. Jennings isn't going to get to well, it? Well, <laughs> she probably has the best chance to get at it, especially <laughs> she's on a tear this year, too. Because I think she hit more than her last year, didn't she? Uh, yeah, it, it was close to it, if not. But um, T.R.A. is really going to have to make up some ground in her last two years, though, to have a chance at it because Jocelyn's yeah. numbers are just crazy. Yep. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next here from FSBO Homes. Stay tuned.